Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. It's that time of the year again for the Chinese people around the world to remember our common ancestors. And for one former politician from Taiwan, this is the same special period of time to bring young people, the younger generation from Taiwan, to come to the mainland to remember our common cultural identity. The former chairman of the new party of Taiwan, Mr. Yuk Mu Ming, has been doing that for the past 10 years to remind people of our common cultural roots and to indicate that reunification with the mainland is the only viable future for the island. Why does he do that? Welcome to this very special edition of The Point with me, Li Xin, coming to you from Xi'an, the capital city of northwest China's Shanxi province, where you have the famous terracotta soldiers. My guest today is Mr. Yuk Mu Ming, former chairman of the new party of uh, Taiwan. Mr. Yuk, thank you very much for joining us. First of all, tell us about your experience, your story with this whole ceremony of worshipping Huang Di. I understand this is not the first time you have been to the ceremony. Tell us a bit about the history. This is my ninth time here, starting from 2010. Chinese people value filial piety the most, so we need to worship our own ancestors and, of course, respect our nation's ancestors. That's why we say, respect the elderly, honor the wise, respect teachers, and be considerate of others. This is the Chinese way of showing respect. That's why we are here at the Huangdi Mausoleum to worship and honor not only our family, but also our entire nation. We have a responsibility to show our love and care for our people. What kind of message do you want to send to compatriots at home and overseas, and why do you involve young people in Taiwan in particular? As Chinese, we understand that we are a product of generations of tradition. This process of passing down is the essence of Chinese culture. That's why since 2010, I felt the need to educate our young people about our heritage. We didn't just appear out of nowhere, we've been passed down through the generations. In my own family, we have a large household, with 17 siblings sharing the same parents. We honor our ancestors every year and show our love for our nation. That's why I believe it's important for the younger generation to understand these concepts and carry them forward. That's why I've been taking young people from Taiwan with me every year for the past 9 out of 14 years. Why since 2010 you felt a particular urge to do that? Some people in Taiwan forget that they are Chinese and insist on separating Taiwan from China. But I am a witness to the fact that Taiwan is a part of China. I came to Taiwan in 1948. The trip was supposed to be for my brother, but he couldn't make it, so I came instead. If Taiwan is not a part of China, why was it able to arrive in Taiwan? 
The fact is that Taiwan and Chinese mainland are one family. Those who try to separate Taiwan from China are committing treason and selling out our country. We cannot allow such ideas to spread in Taiwan, even though it is only a small minority who hold these views. That's why I bring young people to the Huangdi Mausoleum to see our ancestors and worship them. Um, you talked about your childhood experience. Um, at the early age of eight, you left the mainland, you went to Taiwan. Uh, how did it feel to be separated from your family at such a young age and for such a long time? And finally, you were able to reunite. Do you think this is a feeling that, that has been overlooked by many people outside of China when you look at the issue of Taiwan? I was born in Shanghai and moved to Taiwan when I was eight years old. I still got some memory. In the year 1948, it wasn't because of war. My father wanted to open a store branch in Taiwan, so he took me with him. However, I didn't expect that I couldn't return, so I was separated from my mother for 20 years. When my mother finally came to Taiwan after 20 years, my father kneeled down and apologized for not taking good care of her. This showed me the importance of family in Chinese culture. Now that I'm in my 80s, I have the chance to return to my hometown of Shanghai. I mainly stay in Shanghai now, which is where my heart is. Taiwan is also my hometown, but it's not where I was born. And I have many relatives and friends in Shanghai. I always hope for peace between the two sides, because I personally experience the pain of separation from families caused by war. So what do you think of the, the, the effect of the past almost eight decades of separation between the mainland and Taiwan, uh, especially when uh, many of the younger generation were not born on the mainland? They don't have this kind of deep affection that you have towards the motherland. I believe it's my responsibility to help young people understand that as Chinese, we should be proud of our culture and not always think that the grass is greener on the other side. We've been able to sustain our culture for 5,000 years, while other countries have only been around for a few hundred years. This is because our culture holds us together. Family is the foundation of our culture and we must honor our ancestors and pass down our traditions to the next generation. Many people in Taiwan have studied in the U.S. and have been influenced by Western culture. But we should take time to understand why Chinese culture has thrived for so long. I have compared and observed and I believe that our ancient ancestors were very intelligent. Some people don't understand. 
they have been influenced by Western education or various media. So they think that Chinese culture is only a term. This is different from my generation. When I was young, my father taught me the Analects and Mencius. We grew up in that era. Do kids nowadays study the four books and five classics? Do they memorize the Analects and Mencius? That's education. Our generation had something that young people today don't have. Do you think the fact that younger generation are more alienated with the mainland is a result, is a consequence of the desinification efforts by Taiwanese authorities over the past few decades? Because Li Tonghui changed the curriculum, which is the content of future textbooks. The problem was during Li Tonghui's era when the curriculum had already been desinicized. That's why I later publicly called him a Japanese person. Japan ruled Taiwan for 50 years. Their way of thinking deeply influenced the people in Taiwan at the time. However, when Taiwan was just liberated, I know that many people were still loyal to China. When Li Tonghui had this kind of curriculum to desinicize, of course the next generation would be affected. And the textbooks used today, how many of them can truly help young people in Taiwan understand the greatness of China's past. Nowadays, the textbooks are being desinicized with Chinese history being placed under the category of East Asian history. Unlike our generation, who deeply understands the excellent achievements of our ancestors, the past two decades of desinicization have affected the next generation in Taiwan. That's why it took young people to the mainland to see for themselves the agricultural and technological advancements China has made from space to deep sea, which has made the Westerners sit up and take notice. Are there any other important reasons why the younger generations are not overwhelmingly for reunification? I think education is the main reason. However, following the cross-strait exchange, many young people went to the mainland and found out that things were not as they had thought. This is why there are still restrictions on cross-strait exchanges in Taiwan. How do you look at the fact that uh, if you watch a media report on Western media, for instance, they would uh, label Taiwan first and foremost as a democracy and a successful one before they discuss the issue itself? The Chinese mainland is more democratic than Taiwan. The reason is clear. I'm speaking from my personal experience here. The Chinese mainland has a consultative system where the Communist Party is the ruling party, but the eight other democratic parties have the right to participate in politics. In Taiwan, it's an election system where whoever wins the election rules for four years or eight years without much participation from other parties. 
When the Kuomintang is in charge, the DPP does not have the right to participate. This is why the opposition party is always trying to bring down the ruling party. When the DPP is in charge, they settled old scores with the KMT. When I was the chairman, the new party is the third largest party, with 14% of the votes. Did I have the right to participate in politics? Not at all. So, if someone from Taiwan tries to argue with me, I'll say, who gave me the right to participate in politics? You call this a democracy? If my party was on the Chinese mainland, even though I'm not a member of the ruling party, I still have the right to participate in politics. Science and technology leaders on the mainland may not be members of the Communist Party, but because of their ability and qualifications, they have the right to participate in politics in important positions. This is democracy. Well, why do people keep voting for the uh, DPP? On the mainland, the government serves the people, but in Taiwan, they serve the voters. Serving the people means taking care of everyone, while serving the voters means only taking care of those who voted for you. That's why when the DPP is in power, they only take care of their own voters. During elections, they promise to take care of you, but not everyone. There is also this uh, narrative of describing the Taiwan issue as uh, authoritarianism versus democracy and a small country versus a big power that's bullying the other and that the, you know, the smaller country is standing up to a big bully. How do you look at this kind of comparison uh, that is applied to the issue, to the relationship between the mainland and Taiwan? The Western countries, especially the U.S., they have a set of tricks to control developing countries, using elections to make these countries listen to them. This is a political strategy. The U.S. uses the electoral system to deceive voters in developing countries. But when we do research and make comparisons, we find that there must be a reason why the Communist Party won and the Kuomintang lost, and why the Chinese mainland has developed so well while Taiwan has not. I have delved into this and analyzed all the systems and methods. I found that the mainland's consultative system has the support of the people, while Taiwan's electoral system only has partial support. How do you look at the uh, deterioration of livelihood over the past few years on Taiwan? It's because only a small group benefits, not everyone. And that's related to the electoral system. If you vote for me today, I'll give you benefits. But if you don't vote for me, I won't help you. That's the difference. Chinese mainland is not like that. So as I said, serving the people and serving the voters, they're not the same thing. And what is your comment on Tsai Ing-wen? I'd rather not comment because there is nothing to comment on. She has no say over her own actions. People in Taiwan often say that the fate of Taiwan is decided by the people of Taiwan. I'll be honest here. 
The fate of Taiwan has for a long time been decided by the Americans. I'm speaking politely here. In Taiwan, people have a shallow understanding of democracy. They think that as long as they have the right to decide who is in charge, it's democracy. So they believe that elections are very important. But elections can be manipulated and packaged. That's why so many people regret their choices after each election. How come you pick the wrong person every time? This is a problem with the system. Are you concerned, are you worried about the future of the Taiwan region? I think there's nothing good in Taiwan anymore. I'm actually beyond feeling worried. I said a few years ago that there won't be a 2024 for Taiwan. And I said it publicly. People at the time thought I was talking nonsense. But now it seems to be quite accurate. Cross-strait communication is necessary. It's good for both sides. And when people in Taiwan realize this, they will be willing to communicate with the mainland. Communication is a good thing for both sides, as we're all compatriots and one family. Will continuing to make trouble be good for Taiwan? The younger generation in Taiwan are awakening to this. That's why Tsai Ing-wen is having such a hard time now. Do you think reunification is very much down the line or there is no date inside? And you have said that reunification is a big right thing to do. Why have you said that? Of course, I've asked many people if they think Taiwan and the mainland should reunite. And they say yes. But when will it happen? They say we just have to wait for everyone to work hard. Most people think like this. But for those of us who care about politics and cross-strait relations, we have a responsibility to open up opportunities for the future development of our next generation. We should not be selfish. We should unite with the mainland and face the world. Otherwise, Taiwan has no future. The so-called future is being controlled by outsiders. Do we want to be in charge of our own destiny? Of course we do. We should engage with our compatriots instead of relying solely on foreign contacts. The Chinese mainland has been very clear about it. The one country, two systems framework is part of the Chinese constitution. Taiwan is part of China. We are one country. As for two systems, we do have two political systems, and we're not trying to turn them into one system. What is the mainland's policy towards reunification with Taiwan? Has it been very clear to you? The policy of the mainland is very clear, to serve the people. I think nothing explains it better than these words. Its target is the people, which includes the 1.4 billion compatriots at home and compatriots overseas. This is a call to the whole world. China wishes to serve its people. Developing exchanges leads to reunification. So ultimately, the end goal is reunification. So I say, if reunification is inevitable, why not do it sooner rather than later? Why drag it out? You actually said in one of your videos that you would even accept reunification by force. How do you mean? I said, 
If Chinese mainland is forced to react militarily to Taiwan independence, I would have to accept that. The mainland is committed to peaceful reunification with Taiwan. They have been trying hard to show their sincerity and goodwill because peaceful reunification is the best option for both sides. And is that why you want to bring more young people from Taiwan onto the mainland? Yeah. Thank you very much, Mr. Yok Mu Ming, former chairman of the New Party of Taiwan. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. German Railway Company Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. Making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point. is considered the common ancestor of the Chinese people and every year during the uh, tomb sweeping festival representatives from all walks of life in China and of overseas Chinese will gather here to commemorate our ancestor and our common roots so what are the Taiwan compatriots saying during this very special moment we are following their footsteps and hear what they have to say on this very important occasion. Personally, my ancestry is from Zhangzhou, Fujian province. My surname is Lai. In our Lai family genealogy, we're descendants of the brother of King Wu of Zhou dynasty. We're descendants of Duke Shu Ying. We all try to trace our roots. In short, we are all Chinese descendants. People from Taiwan or the mainland are all Chinese descendants. We must all seek our roots, as that's where our home lies. Although traditional culture was preserved in Taiwan a long time ago, young people may not be familiar with it anymore. However, through events like this, paying homage to Huangdi and Leizu, we can find where our true roots are. This is great. We are dedicated to cultural exchanges between young people from both sides of the Taiwan Strait. We want to show youth from Taiwan how great the mainland is and dispel the misinformation spread by some media due to Taiwan's political situation. We share our experiences through social media platforms like Facebook and Baidu Baijiahao, where I am also a contributor. 
I'm from Hong Kong, representing the World Chinese Association. We have a group of 90 people here. As Chinese descendants, even though we are from Hong Kong, our hearts have not changed. We share the same roots, morality and origin, and have always been concerned about the development of our motherland. We also want to respond to President Xi Jinping's call for the Chinese dream which aims to realize the dream of global prosperity. As Hong Kongers, we should contribute to and support the current development of our country. I think the younger generation in Taiwan now, because of the deliberate desinicization education by the previous authorities, has somewhat abandoned the study of Chinese history. So many young people today don't have the concept of the ancient Chinese dynasties like we did. So I think it's particularly important to use events like this to build a sense of identity among the Chinese people. The three sovereigns and five emperors are the cultural ancestors of the Chinese nation. Especially when I participated in this event, at the end when I saw the Chinese dragon, which symbolizes our Chinese nation, soaring high, I was deeply moved. In the past, Taiwan used to have dragon dances in many activities, but in recent years they have become less common. I think the Chinese dragon represents the cultural link that brings our Chinese nation together. Seeing the Chinese dragon, which symbolizes our national spirit, soar and fly, also represents our hope that our nation can become better and the motherland can be reunified as soon as possible. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. Twenty-five hundred years ago, an old man rode on his buffalo and headed west of China. Before he vanished into the wild, he left behind a book of 5,000 words, which for the next two and a half millennia would have shaped the Chinese way of thinking. Subscribe to the sayings of Lao Tzu and find out why generals with wisdom yield after winning the ultimate battle and how staying behind just might help you get ahead of others. The Sayings of Lao Tzu is available on all major podcast platforms.